Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is uh, Gitanjali. She's a PhD student, and we're going to get more into specifically where she's at. Uh, she works in a lab at UT Dallas on uh, nerve regeneration. So, Gitanjali, how are you doing? Good. Good. Yeah, so, tell me about, um, are you a postdoc, or uh, you know, what's your position in the lab? So, I'm a PhD student in the lab right now, in the Romero lab at UT Dallas. I'm in my fifth year. So I'm almost done with all of my research work and I'm writing my dissertation. So I'll graduate soon. Can you tell me about the work at the lab? What do you, um, what's your dissertation on? What are you studying? So uh, our lab does multiple different projects, but my main project is on nerve regeneration. Uh, so we look into the mechanisms of nerve regeneration and we've developed uh, an implant, a biosynthetic nerve implant which we use to find out new uh, molecules and growth factors that will help with nerve regeneration. So that's our main uh, area of research. Right now, can nerves be regenerated at all? Or is it limited? Or what's the state of the art? So uh, intrinsically, all of us, you know, naturally, our peripheral nerves, which are the ner- mainly the nerves in our limbs, can regenerate by themselves. So that's our in- intrinsic response. So if you have a very mild nerve injury, your nerve will repair itself. But if the injury is a little more severe, you know, you need some external help like, you know, a graft or uh, some external support to help the nerve regrow. Are there nerve grafts available? And what kind of nerves could be grafted or not? So currently the state of the art or, you know, the FDA approved uh, devices or implants, there, there are a bunch of different types of tube implants, if you can call them. So they're uh, tubes made of multiple biocompatible materials that allow uh, or enhance nerve regeneration. So like I said, our uh, peripheral nervous system has the intrinsic capability to regenerate, but the external help or the extra help is provided by these uh, conduits or grafts that are available. So there are a list of uh, biosynthetic nerve guides that the FDA has approved right now, which uh, are being used in clinic. Well, which nerves in the body are the most important to be able to regenerate and which ones um are the easiest or the most difficult? So, um, so the, based on, you know, uh, based on different types of uh, surveys and studies, you know, it has been found that accidents and occupational accidents mainly uh, injure the uh, nerves of the upper limbs and the lower limbs. Uh, and so these n- nerves can regenerate again, but based on how severe the injury is, the difficulty increases. So the larger uh, nerve damage you have, the larger area of your nerve is damaged, the more difficult it is to repair the nerve and get, uh, get any sensory or functional recovery back. What happens, um, what about like a surgery if a nerve is cut? Is that an easy way, easy thing to repair? Or is that like the hardest? Or what, you know, like what kinds of nerve damage are, are the most difficult to repair? So the most difficult kind of nerve uh, damage that, you know, the, which is more difficult to re- repair is where you've lost a larger portion of your nerve. So uh, in a lot of accidents and, say, gunshot wounds, 
a lot a large part say more than you know two centimeters of your nerve has been damaged uh, or completely broken so that more than two centimeters or more than three centimeters is clinically said to be you know impossible to repair without the need of external help or graft so there is such a thing as nerve grafts like how does that yeah. work Yes. So uh, the tubes that I talked to you about are all biosynthetic. So they're made of, you know, they're made of different types of uh, polymer materials. But grafts, like I said, so we one of them is an autograft. So you uh, sacrifice one of your own less uh, functional nerves to repair, you know, a more important nerve to say you want hand function more than you want to feel something. So you uh, sacrifice one of your less important nerves to repair that nerve. Or there is a, something called allograft, where they take uh, nerves, nerves from cadavers and process them, and then they implant uh, in the area of the nerve damage. Do cadaver nerves work? So the cadaver nerves, uh, so the allografts, which are cadaver nerves, they process them after extracting them from cadavers, and then they implant them in humans needing uh, nerve repair. So what's the mechanism of um, your nerve regeneration? Like, how does it work on a basic scientific level? So uh, in our research, so it, all of the FDA-approved conduits are mainly, you know, tubes. They are hollow tubes with no internal structure in them. And our nerve naturally has like a tube-like structure with smaller tubes inside of it. So uh, if we were to mimic what a natural nerve looks like, we need to have a tube with, which has these smaller internal channels to allow the nerve cells to go forward or grow over something. And so that's where, what we've uh, de uh, designed in our lab. So our biosynthetic nerve implant has these internal microchannels or you can call them smaller you know, tubes inside of the big tube, which give way to the growing nerve cells so that they can cross from one end to the other to repair that whatever distance we are trying to repair. So this sounds like a, a slower solution that takes time for the nerve cells to grow, but a more natural solution, right? Yes, yes. So the, the, more, the ideal nerve repair conduit, you know, needs to have the physical and the chemical uh, guidance cues for the nerve cells to grow. So the physical cues is basically providing them that bridge that I said. And the chemical cues are the chemical signals or the proteins and, you know, different molecules and cells that are, are, are in the natural nerve that are lost when, you know, that part of the nerve is lost. So what we in our lab are trying to do is find out what different growth factors are present in the nerve, which growth factors will help us give the best repair. So our latest paper, which was published uh, two weeks ago, that's also we found this combination of growth factors, which gave us, you know, maximum uh, regeneration, you know, in terms of the number of cells that were found in, in terms of function. So that's what we are trying to do is find out the best combination of all out of all of the growth factors and see which one will provide that chemical cue that's needed for the nerve cells to grow. Well, how long would this process take? You know, the nerve is severed and there's a, you know, a two centimeter bridge. Does it depend on the length of the bridge or you know, how long does it take to grow back? Yes. So uh, based on a lot of science that has been done before, you know, in the field, we know that our nerves can regenerate at a rate of about one to three millimeters per day. So, you know, a lot of basic research has gone into finding out this rate of regeneration. So based on how much distance or how much section of the nerve has been lost and how far it is from the target muscle, 
you know, we can uh, extrapolate and find out how much time it will take for, you know, the nerve to grow back to that target muscle. If you have a nerve in the body that's mm-hmm. cut, what happens at the, at the ends of the, the cut ends? Do they sit there and just wither away? Do they cap themselves off? Like what, what's the behavior of a, of a cut nerve in the body? Okay. So uh, imagine like you have a cut in one of your, one of the nerves in your hand. So the end of the nerve that is connected to your body is the end of the nerve that is connected to the uh, actual cells, like the cell bodies, which provide with signals for the nerve to grow. The end of your, the other cut end, which is connected to the muscle, goes through this very uh, complicated process called valerian degeneration. So it is basically a degeneration process where a lot of your immune cells and the cells present in the nerve will uh, eat away at the remaining debris and clear it out so that the other end, which is connected to your body, when it grows, you know, it has a clear path. Well, wouldn't you classify the ends as the brain side end and then the, uh, the end point, the cell side end? Yeah, so we so when we talk in research, we uh, we call it the proximal end and proximal stump and the distal stump. So the proximal stump is what is connected to your spinal cord, and the distal stump is the end that goes into your you know arms and uh, or in your hand, which causes the movement in the muscles. So what happens with the proximal versus the distal? Is there different behaviors in the body, or is it the same? Does it cap it off, or you know what does it do at, at both ends? So uh, when, so the both ends come into picture when you cut the nerve, right? When you cut it, there are two ends to that now. Because otherwise, it's one single nerve going to your muscle. But when you cut it, you know, there's a gap formed in between. And then you have one end of the nerve that's connected to the body, which is the proximal end, which has active cells and active signals. But the other end, which is connected to the muscle, it it's not getting any new signals. So that is the end that, you know, is going to slowly uh, clear out and make way for the growing axons. So the axons will always grow from your spinal cord to the end muscle, from your proximal end to the distal end. So, okay, the nerve, the proximal nerve, will that continue to grow or will it just stay where it's at? And then the, uh, the distal nerve, will that completely like fall away or does it just stay in, in the same length it was in? Like what happens over time to both ends? Um, so um, again, so if we, if there is absolutely nothing done to that injury, so there's no repair done, what happens is the proximal nerve will grow to a certain extent because you know it has this intrinsic ability to grow. So the cells are going to send signals to grow. But if it doesn't find its way to the you know to the muscle, then it's going to just it's going to stay there. So a lot of the times it will stay there, and you know uh, because over time you know a lot of different cells are going to grow around it. It will stay there, mm-hmm. and what happens to the distal distal end is so the outer uh, outer layer of the nerve uh, still remains, but the axons, which are the main active cells inside the nerve, are going to die away. Mm-hmm. So you will see a, a structure going to the muscle, but that structure isn't active because it doesn't have live axons in it. So what happens over time um, if you get to repair a nerve? Do you have a, a small window of time in which you can do it, and after that, it's too late? Or can you always do some kind of improvement? So uh, it, a lot of research has been shown that uh, you have, you know, a small time window to repair these nerves and um, delayed repair. So you have about, um, I want to say, uh, if I'm not wrong, I want to say about a few hours of, uh, you know, after injury, you have a few hours after that to repair the nerve. If, if you want oh. 
now very good uh, functional recovery. But it has been shown that even with delayed repair, if the injury is small enough, it is still uh, you know, possible to repair it. But what happens is the process that I talked to you about. So if there was a, real, a big cut in your nerve and the distal end is going to start degenerating, what happens is in the first, uh, in the first three, three to six days, uh, it's, you know, the proximal end doesn't find the distal end. It's going to stop sending signals back because it knows that there's nothing on the other end. You know, I don't need to grow. And the other end, which is the distal end, it starts undergoing this process of degeneration, which takes place over the next couple of weeks. So if nothing is done between that time window of, you know, one, one to three days, then, you know, the distal end has already lost most of the axons and the proximal end has stopped sending signals to the cell bodies to, make, you know, start make, uh, growing the axons. So in order to regenerate the nerve, you're hooking up to the proximal end and then extending it back into the territory where it used to connect to the distal end, right? Yes, yes. So if I were to repair the nerve using some sort of graft, I would suture it or tie it to from the proximal end to the distal end. And then, so the distal end, like I said, the outer, outer tissue layer still remains. So I can attach it to that tissue layer, and then that little conduit that's formed in between is through which my I'm ex, the axons are expected to grow. Oh, interesting. Um, how do you how do you repair? And I mean, you know, when people have surgeries, it seems to be pretty common that if the surgeon is not careful, they'll cut nerves. You know, some mm-hmm. of the geometry is very difficult when you're a surgeon. So how do you weigh the the benefits and the risks? You know, if you go in there to try to you know graft in a nerve you know, you don't want to disturb existing nerves and make it worse or have a trade-off where there's no net benefit. What do you do? Um, so um, since, I mean, I'm not a surgeon, so I really, I don't know how complicated that would be, but it's mm. true that in places, so uh, in areas like your shoulder area, where it's like a whole plexus of nerve, right? Like your brachial plexus, it's, it's a more uh, sensitive area to implant something. So that, that again depends on how severe the injury is and what uh, you know the sur- what the doctor or the surgeon has you know the, what the prognosis is is how deep the injury is you know how extensive it is how much function has been lost and how how complicated the surgery would be and if that you know the complication of the surgery is higher would be higher than losing a small function like you know maybe some some sensation like heat or uh, cold or you know pain, all of that. So yeah. I think the surgeon will weigh the pros and cons of that. Um, but I know that you know plastic surgeons and surgeons who actually do like the hand and hand surgeons that do these surgeries are very skilled at this. And so, um, so the autograft, which is you know one of your getting one of your nerves and implanting it in one of more your important da- damaged areas, that has been done for decades now and. It has. It is still the gold standard that most people opt for because that has been shown to, you know, uh, give the best results in terms of function. Because the surgery can go all well, but if you don't have function, you know, that's, you know, the whole point of the right. surgery lost. Because ultimately, are you able? Are you able to tap into existing nerves that are close to the tissue you want to reinnervate and grow like a side branch on one of them, or is that not possible? 
Um, so people have been looking at these. So we ourselves don't do that. We look at more biosynthetic alternatives because we try to repair more severe damaged nerves. Uh, but people have been looking at kind of branching or grafting proximal ends of, um, uh, you know, proximal end of a damaged nerve into a healthy nerve till you find some alternative. There has been some preclinical research on that. And th in that case, because the proximal end of that nerve was connected to something till, you know, they went and found out a different alternative and then came back and did another surgery and then repaired that nerve, that proximal end was still active. So you're going to your previous question about how long, you know, that is one of the uh, one of the alternatives is side grafting of the nerve is to co connect the damaged nerve to one of the um, nerves around it, one of the surrounding right. nerves, keeping the proximal, you know, stump kind of active because then there's still signals going to the cells and then coming back later and doing a second surgery uh, and mm. trying to repair it. Right, I gotcha. And what's what's the maximum length that you've uh, been able to regenerate a nerve? Is there a certain length after which it just it fails and it doesn't work? So, so first of all, like one gap repair is a field where not a lot of people are working to begin with because it's a very complicated mechanism. Like this whole cellular mechanism of nerve regeneration is complicated to begin with, with a lot of different types of cellular populations present, and so. Um, you know, people have used multiple uh, alternatives like grafts and you know, different types of sleeves and conduits. And so it's not like there hasn't been one amazing device that has been done, has been approved or had been shown to, you know, repair really long uh, gaps completely, right. you know, including tissue as well as function. But in our lab, so we've done three studies already with three and four centimeters. That's about less 30 and 40 millimeters of axons that need to grow across the tube, but you still have to consider how far it is from the muscle. So another 30 to 40 centimeters, uh, 30 to 40 millimeters. So that's about 80 millimeters sure. that the axons have to travel because the gap that is formed, it is only in your tissue, but, fu but functionally your axons are dying all the way to the muscles, right? They have to grow not only through that bridge that we're talking about, but also all the way to the to the muscle. So we have been uh, so our recent paper we've used that combination of growth factors and we've shown that these axons can definitely cross this four centimeter gap. You know, there's a lot of cells on the other end, and it also corresponds to the function that we saw, which you know, which proves even further that our our um, uh, combination of growth factors is worth looking into. But again, like I said, you know, these um, this whole process is so complicated because it's not important, not only important to get enough uh, nerve cells to the uh, muscle, you know, the axons mm. to the muscle, but also the axons. So there are all different types of axons, like classification wise, and they have different functions. They have sensory functions and uh, motor functions. And even in motor, they have different strengths. And what our next study, which we are very excited about, uh, but I, you know the paper will be out by the end of this year. Our next study, that's what we've tried to do, is we've used um, similar combinations of growth factors, with, but with an additional one. And uh, we've uh, tried to improve upon this paper that we published. So we have axons in this paper, and then we added another molecule that helped with strengthening. So uh, these axons, so the, some of the sensory axons, they don't have uh, a sheath around them 
while the axons that cause the motor function have a, you know, a, thin, a thick sheet of uh, fat, it's a layer called myelin, which is responsible for you know, faster conduction of uh, uh, electricity across, right? So faster right. signal conduction. And so getting, so axons come in first and then the, the myelin sheet around it is formed. So in our, since we had a lot of axons in our currently published study, we, we were looking into different molecules that we can add that will improve not only the number of axons, but will improve this myelination around them. And so the next mm -hmm. study we just finished, we've done just that. So we're trying to improve this myelination. So, you know, they, the, so we have this group of axons. Some of them are performing not only the function of sensory, but also motor function. So again, like all of this complex, uh, complex signals and all of these functions that the axons have, they have to be broken down. Yeah. So if you, if you want ideal recovery, I should be able to move my hand, but also feel whether, you know, this cup is hot or cold and also be able to know where my hand is in the air, right? All of these functions are done by different types of axons. And so now it's important. So now that we have axons across this, we have axons to the muscle, our next goal is to find out molecules that will, dis, you know, that will differentiate these axons into their subtypes and, you know, make them do the function that they're meant to do. Does the behavior change once the bridge occurs and you connect to the distal end? Now, you know, you have a nerve there and you want to grow axons in it, I guess, or restore them. So does the behavior change once the interface is bridged? Um, so what you're asking is if the axons grow across the bridge, does their behavior change? No, once they do grow across the bridge. You know, I have a nerve with a two centimeter gap and mm -hmm. I put your tube in between the two and you know, now the, the gap starts closing, it's growing, it's growing. Now it touches the distal end. Is mm -hmm. the distal end functional or it still needs, um, it needs repair itself in order to connect the nerve and have it start firing properly again? So, um, so if the axons cross the two centimeter bridge, yes. that's still not enough. Because like right. based on studies, you know, you can look based from histology and tissue sections, you can see that there are axons present there. But those axons from the distal end, they go, so they travel through the distal end into the muscle. They have to reach the muscle, and we've seen right. them reach the muscle. But when they reach the muscle, they have to do the function that they are meant to do. So whether it is mm. sensory function or motor function, that is something which is, you know, our next step, is to m make them distinguish, so give them signaling molecules that will distinguish those axons and make them, uh, you know, carry out these functions of, sensing something versus doing an action. So there's really three stages. There's starting from the proximal, bridging the gap. Then once mm -hmm. they connect to the distal end, then once they get to the muscle, you know, firing properly. So there's really three things that have to happen, right? Yes, yes. And it's very, okay. uh, so when, um, when the axons cross uh, the bridge, it's, it's that in itself is a, a big deal. So we right. still have, I mean, the field is still, uh, trying to improve upon this is, is because okay. just crossing the bridge itself is something that not a lot of conduits are able to do. And crossing and crossing the bridge in, a, in so if you look at your natural nerve, it's this one continuous thing. But if you look at uh, some of the conduits that are hollow, which don't have an internal architecture, this bridge is not really continuous. It forms like a thin cable. Because, of course, it doesn't have that, you know, the physical support that it needs to travel like right. a tube. So it forms more like a, more like a weak 
bridge in between. So it's, it tapers off and there's like really thin layer or thin bun, uh, group of axons that grow to the distal end. And so the first step that we, one of like our studies has found that our, because of that architecture of our biosynthetic nerve implant, you know, we, the, the growth of those axons along with other cell types was continuous and there wasn't like a small cable in between. So it was, so if you look at, you know, our paper and if you look at the pictures or images in our paper, you can see it looks very continuous. So that was one of our first achievements was that we got something Great. Uh, you know, that looks more natural, but again, you know, that's not uh, all, right? We need to make sure those are nerve cells and active cells, and we need to know, make sure they're functional. So all of that comes later, but at least we got this growth that looked more uniform uh, than... Yeah, I see why it's, right. it's so complicated. It has many, many issues. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So what's the, uh, the next steps for the lab? What, over the next year, what do you think you're going to be uh, doing? Where's the project so, going? Yeah, so I talked to you about, you know, bridging this gap and going to the muscle. Uh, another complica complicated aspect of nerve regeneration is, you know, the muscle. If you've seen uh, patients with uh, who have lost function of a particular muscle, you know, that muscle atrophies, or, you know, you don't go to the gym for two months, you know, your muscle right. atrophies. So that, of course, if your nerve isn't connected to the muscle, it's not getting any signals, it's not firing, it's not working, it's, it's going to atrophy. So that is the, you know, you can call it the fourth aspect, like you were saying, the fourth part of the nerve regeneration and very important uh, aspect is to keep the muscle tone. Because if the muscle is atrophying, by the time the axons reach there, so if you have a really severe injury and your axons take a year to reach your muscle, your muscle has been long gone. It's already mm -hmm. atrophied. So your axons reach there, but there's no muscle to, to you know, actually do the uh, function that you, the nerves are supposed, the axons are supposed to do. So a lot of right. people are trying to uh, look at ways to provide the muscle with either, you know, different types of growth factors, different molecules, or even electrical stimulation, physical therapy, which can maintain the muscle mass, which can maintain that muscle tone. And, you know, when the axons do reach there, the muscle is ready and to accept those axons and start firing. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I can see why it's so complicated. Yeah. Well, so it's, a, it's a great thing that you're doing, you know, that you guys are working on. It's a very interesting area of research because, you know, based as if we compare what uh, these severe large nerve defects or long gap injuries uh, to, you know, smaller or less severe injuries, the whole, the mechanism is very different because of how much time and how severe and how much tissue loss there is. So, uh, you know, we can't really extrapolate from uh, what happens in the sh short gaps or, in, you know, in very mild injuries where there's not a lot of nerve damage or not a lot of tissue loss. Uh, you, right. We can't really extrapolate that those mechanisms to what's happening here because of all of these cells that are, uh, you know, present or not present and, you know, what form they are present in because all of these cells are constantly changing, right? They're changing according to what the nerve is nerve wants. So... Hmm. making sure all of those cells because the nerve also has its own immune system it has blood vessels so there are a lot of other type cell types along with the nerve cells that are present in there sure. and so it's not just important to grow those nerve cells but it's important to provide that you know uh, environment the micro environment in there has a lot of other cell oh. types the blood vessels you know it needs your immune cells to protect those uh, nerve cells it needs 
uh, other types of fibroblasts that form the outside layer of your nerve. You know, all of these things are very important, and that's where our um, you know thought process is going is to so it, in based on our currently published research, the combination of, of growth factors or molecules we've used has been exactly to target that. So you know, not just nerve cells, not just neuronal populations but also other types of cells which are present there and which, you know, it's very easy to uh, not consider them because, you know, m m the first main goal of anyone doing this is to get the axons, you know, cross that bridge, right? But, you know, we right, have right. to understand this uh, mechanism where all the cells are involved, you know, all the cells are playing a, a very important role in making sure the nerve environment is, uh, uh, provides the, the, you know, the perfect, atmosphere for this, these axons to grow and not only grow but you know if you want to form a nerve which is as close to your natural nerve you need all of the cell populations and so our direction hmm. is to our you know our next train of thought based on that so you know keep a watch for our next paper which would be in december and you'll know more about what where we are going but our direction is that to have a lot all of those cell populations to try to provide uh, you know the growing nerve uh, molecules that will involve all of these different types of cells and attract these cells and, you know, which will help give a more um, complete, uh, what do you say, you know, complete, a more complete uh, uh, growth factor or, you know, complete uh, mix of signals for the nerves to grow and, you know, for all the cells to be right. present. So that's where we are okay. going, right? Um, one, one quick question, it's probably an ignorant one, but do the organs in the body have their own nerve system or are the nerves like just in the outside of the organs? Yeah, so every uh, so every organ is innervated by nerves. So every organ works. So the peripheral nervous system is what we work on. So we work mainly with the peripheral nerves, which are mainly your, you know, nerves of the limbs and the, uh, you know, uh, more mainly of the limbs. Uh, and right. one not governed mm. by the brain. But there are autonomic nerve, nerves that are, you know, which control all of your fun vital functions. So those are also, so everything has, is innervated by different types of nerves. Now, the content of these nerves and, you know, the type of the nerve and the, how, the way they are controlled is different. The muscles, the types of muscles in, involved in these organs are different. So the types of nerves that innervate these muscles or these organs are different. But all of the organs are innervated by some type of nerve or some type of axons, mm. you know, or a plexus of nerves, or this, you know, complicated mat of nerves that is present. So every organ is connected by a nerve. Yeah, because I was just thinking about people that are trying to, uh, you know, create artificial organs or grow them. That just makes mm -hmm. it even more complicated because you're saying the nerve environment itself is, is so unusual, you know? Yes, yes. Well, very good. Um, so what's the best way for listeners to find out more about your research, maybe look at papers? You know, how should they get in touch with the lab? So uh, we have um, a lot of papers, you know, previous papers, and we just had our recent paper, which has been published in the journal Acta Biomaterialia. But we have our lab website, which is called the RomeroLab.com. So you can go to our lab website and look at all of our research, everyone who is in our lab right now and what they are working in. Uh, as well as all of our previous, you know, students and uh, uh, personnel who have worked in our lab and where they are, what they're doing. All of our papers are up there. So, you know, if you want to look at what what research our lab has done and is currently doing, all the papers are on there. 
And you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is Romero Lab. And so if you go to Twitter, you know, we keep uh, updating or posting almost every other day about what goes on in the lab, you know, new papers, new research, new grants, any new projects we are starting, as well as, you know, what's current in the field and, you know, the exciting research that everyone else does. And we try to keep up with that. So you can follow us on Twitter and you know, look at our updates and see what we're up to. Okay, very good. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.